KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. The Supreme Court is taking up another case on abortion. This one has to do with a common abortion pill, Mifepristone. KYW's Hadas Kuznets reported back in March when this case was first filed in Texas. The lawsuit filed by the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine against the FDA asks the court to order the FDA to withdraw the oral medication Mifepristone. Dale Steinberg with Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania explains this is a pill commonly used in a two-step regimen with another oral medication for abortions that was approved by the FDA 23 years ago. We really can't underestimate the consequences of this case. They could be incredibly far-reaching and go as far as taking Mifepristone entirely off the market nationwide. That means in states like Pennsylvania, abortion might be legal but could become more difficult and invasive if the Texas judge rules the drug should be banned. Steinberg says the outcome of this case could also threaten the FDA's authority over the approval process from other medications. And could have far-reaching consequences for patients' access to other FDA-approved medications. The Fifth Circuit upheld the FDA's approval of the drug, so it won't be taken off the market entirely, but they ruled to put some restrictions back in place that the FDA had removed. Now the decision on those restrictions is moving to the Supreme Court, making this the first abortion case to come before the high court since the Dobbs decision last year, which of course overturned Roe v. Wade. That is what Dobbs said it was promising to do, return abortion to states, and this would be a decision that would curtail abortion access in states that allow it. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers, make memories during happy Honda days. We're talking with Rachel Riboucher, Dean of Temple University's Beasley School of Law, about this case, what exactly is being decided, and what consequences it could have even beyond the issue of abortion. So, to start to kind of set the table for everyone, can you just give us a quick, brief definition of? the drug mifepristone? So mifepristone is the first drug in a two-drug regimen that ends pregnancy approved up through 10 weeks of pregnancy. Lots of providers prescribe mifepristone along with misoprostol, the second drug, through 11 or 12 weeks of pregnancy. Um, But uh, mifepristone is the first drug because it essentially stops fetal development. So what exactly has the Supreme Court agreed to hear with regards to the drug mifepristone? The Supreme Court has agreed to hear two things. Um, It's agreed to answer the question whether or not the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, the set of doctors who took the case in Texas to ask a district court and then the Fifth Circuit to basically suspend the approval of the drug mifepristone that the FDA granted in 2000, 23 years ago, and then to suspend the the action of the FDA to lift restrictions on the drug in 2016 and 2021. So the first question, the first question that the Supreme Court is going to answer is whether or not that group that took the case had the standing. Um, was it the right party? Did it have a concrete injury to uh, litigate this case? And then the second question has to do with those uh, restrictions that I mentioned. Uh, did the FDA, was it acting arbitrarily or capriciously? Was it in violation of um, administrative law, basically? when it changed the restrictions on mifepristone in 2016 and 2021. 
So what is – well, before we get into – right now, as it stands, this drug is available anywhere through the mail, even in states that have had very draconian abortion restrictions put in place uh, since Roe or no? No. So, so the 2021 change that I mentioned, the FDA lifted a restriction on mifepristone that required patients to pick it up at a healthcare facility. So medication abortion, even though it's a set of pills, mimicked in-person procedures because most clinics required you to go pick it up at the clinic. Um, that changed after um, after 2020 in a court decision, but it changed permanently in 2021 when the FDA announced that it was going to lift that restriction because it, you know, there was lots of evidence that patients weren't benefiting from picking it up in person. And uh, if mifepristone and misoprostol were safe to take on your own. So to give it some context, it was, you know, the 20,000 drugs that the FDA regulates and, the you know, the dozen plus that it regulates as closely as mifepristone. It was the only drug that you could take at home without a provider present, but you had to pick up at a healthcare facility. So that's what's allowed mailing medication abortion. But to your question, states like Texas that ban abortion, ban all abortion, medication abortion and procedural abortion. So it is not legal for providers to prescribe medication abortion or mail medication abortion in those states. What's happened though, are there is a, there are a group of providers who are in states that have passed shield laws, um, which define reproductive health care that's legally prote- protected regardless of patient location. And those providers have interpreted those shield laws as protecting them when they mail medication abortion to any state. But as a matter of law, Texas and states like Texas, the 14 that ban abortion, also ban mailing medication abortion. Does that make sense? It does. So what's talk about what is on the table here, because this is the first case that the Supreme Court has decided to to hear since the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. So given everything you've talked about, like what is in play here when they hear this case next year? So if the Supreme Court essentially agrees with the Fifth Circuit, what would happen is that, and this is a, you know, it's kind of a, it's going to be a question that's going to, you know, be something that we're all thinking about and wondering what happens next. Because if the Supreme Court agrees with the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, agrees with the Fifth Circuit and says the FDA was wrong when it changed the restrictions on mifepristone in 2016 and in 2021, what we might see then is reverting back to the restrictions that existed before 2016 or reverting back to the restrictions uh, if the court decides that only the 2021 rule was the source of FDA error. So if we go back in a time machine and you know enact 2015 rules, the weeks approved for mifepristone are shorter. So it's seven weeks, not 10. Only a physician can prescribe it. There is a whole host of changes that were enacted in 2016 on the back of evidence about how mifepristone was being prescribed and used. Personally, I think that the there's a lot of conversation about the 2021 rule because it is 
new. It's not, it hasn't been tested now for the last seven years uh, in abortion medication prescription. It is a topic that the FDA has had differing opinions about over the last several years. Uh, And if the Supreme Court decides that the FDA was wrong to lift that restriction, that will require patients to pick up medication abortion and could preclude mailing medication abortion. And that would include even in states where abortion is completely legal? legal? Like, so that would be off the, they would go back to that even in states like New Jersey? Yep. That's right. Now, there's a further wrinkle here, which is in lots of places, not just so happens this hasn't been the regimen used in the United States, people in pregnancies using misoprostol, the second drug in a medication abortion, and using it alone without mifepristone. The FDA does not regulate misoprostol like it does mifepristone. In fact, misoprostol has been approved to treat ulcers, and it's prescribed off-label to end a pregnancy. So it could be that providers, you know, then shift to mailing misoprostol only instead of the two-drug regimen. There was another, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was another kind of angle to this that the Supreme Court decided not to hear with regards to the original FDA approval back in, in 2000. One of the groups wanted to basically say the FDA didn't have the, the right or the you know the, the standing to, to okay this back in, I think it's 2000, am I correct? And they, they, that's not on the table now. That was rejected, correct? That's right. So the district court, Judge Kaczmarek and Amarillo, in addition to finding that the FDA was wrong when it lifted restrictions in 2016 and 2021, held that the FDA was wrong when it approved the drug mifepristone to end pregnancies in the first place in 2000. So suspended that decision from 23 years ago that the FDA made. The Fifth Circuit didn't agree. Um, The Fifth Circuit held that 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 claim had run out of time. It had surpassed the stat, you know, it, it basically, yeah, it was not timely um, and issued a decision only on the 2016 and 2021 uh, restrictions. And they, uh, you know, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, the plaintiffs in this case, they asked the Supreme Court to consider the issue and the Supreme Court did not grant cert on the this this question about was the FDA wrong in 2000, 23 years ago when it first approved the drug. To that point, and even though this isn't on the table, as a layman, as just somebody, it seems to me odd that we're pushing that something that is two decades old, that that something was done wrong when there doesn't seem to be any harm done. Like, I don't know. It, it seems to me like stuff like that should be settled. Are we arguing like whether the FDA should exist when people are bringing these, these claims up? Like, enlighten me as to like what kind of... Why that would be brought and why that would even get to the point where we're discussing it? Well, it's a great question. I mean, this would have been uh, pretty much a first that the FDA, that which is the federal agency entrusted with, you know, uniform drug policy and ensuring drug safety, you know, before drugs get to market, that quarter of a century later, a litigant could go to a federal court and say, hey, federal court you know, overturn that decision, basically, suspend that decision. Um, 
you know, a federal court that's not expert in drug policy, that's not an expert in drug safety. Um, it's why you saw the uh, big pharma, all the pharmaceutical companies come out really on the side of the FDA. Because if you're a litigant who can go to court and ask a court, hey, suspend my competitor's drug, uh, I don't think it's safe. And I think the FDA was wrong when it decided it was. That could create a lot of chaos. You know, the pharmaceutical companies that have a stake in this say, you know, we spend decades on research and development. We invest millions of dollars in bringing drugs to market. And what's our incentive to do that if somebody can go to court and say, just kidding, <laughs> the drug's not on the market anymore. Um, so I think that there would have been profound ripple effects had the had that had that decision stood. We will return to our conversation with Rachel Reboucher in just a moment. But right now, it's the holiday season, folks. And the holidays mean different things to everyone. But whatever the holidays mean to you, get the most out of it in a new vehicle from our friends at Honda. Whether it's traveling to the holiday family dinner in a spacious, efficient Accord hybrid or heading to a hike to burn it off in a powerful, adventure-ready CRV hybrid, your holiday adventure awaits with a new Honda. During Happy Honda Days, contact your local Honda dealer today. And now let's return to our conversation about the Supreme Court agreeing to hear a case involving the abortion drug Mifepristone. Our guest is Rachel Reboucher. She is the dean of Temple University's Beasley School of Law. Once Dobbs was overturned, we heard a lot of discussion about, well, we'll send it back to the states and the states can do what they want. We trust the people in the states to, to make the right decision. But now it kind of seems like because with this case, you know, states that have done everything possible to make themselves a pro-choice state, Mm -hmm. but they're trying to put up an obstacle here. Am I dissecting it correctly or is there nuance here? No, I mean, I think that that is what Dobbs said it was promising to do, return abortion to states. And this would be a decision that would curtail abortion access in states that allow it. Uh, There's no question about that. And, you know, I think for me, this this litigation is just a an example of unworkability. So one of the things that Dobbs also said is that if you return abortion law to the states, you're going to have a cleaner system. It'll be the problem with Roe and Casey, the case that followed Roe, is they were unworkable precedents. They created confusion, they created debate, uh, they created conflict. Well, I don't think we're seeing less conflict. <laughs> I don't think we're seeing less debate. And, you know, we would be in a situation if the Supreme Court um, sides with the Fifth Circuit that, you know, of the FDA having to figure out how to come up with, you know, uh, rules that track 2015 and 2024. You know, that itself is confusing. Um, we'll prescribers be you know that they'll still prescribe off label if they need to some folks as i said will use the second drug not the first drug one thing i think is certain is that it's not going to stop people from seeking out pills to end pregnancies <laughs> um, and that i think itself creates an unworkable system and just to be clear like do we don't know of any problems that mifepristone or the other drug have caused like as far as harm to people other than doing what they're doing. I mean, I'm sure there's always cases here and there that happen, but overall there, there has not been some 
swell of problems that people in good faith could point to and go, oh, look, but we're really worried about X, Y, and Z. And we'll look at the effect it's having on these these women. This is simply, it seems to me, just an avenue for the anti-abortion movement to kind of take the next step. I think what's very concerning about the case is the, you know, before this litigation, there was a coarse debate about abortion generally and medication abortion specifically. And, um, but it's, you know, the evidence is really clear that mifepristone is a very safe drug. (laughs) It does not result in deaths. It does not result in adverse effects. You see this everywhere, but you, you know, as a comparison, it's safer than penicillin. It's 10 times safer than Viagra, which is not subject to the same restrictions. There's a lot of evidence that mifepristone is a safe drug. And I think what's disconcerting about the lower court decisions in this litigation is just, you know, the contestation of what seems to be really settled evidence. (laughs) You know, and I think if you're looking at it from a health law perspective, for instance, it's disconcerting to think that courts, you know, generate their own set of facts and evidence uh, based on allegations that are, you know, just haven't been borne out by the research. And so, again, though, that's not to say that there aren't other, you know, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine has all kinds of harms that it alleged happens from mifepristone. But um, again, we can we can have a debate about whether, you know, whether or not claims about regret and mental health and the like bear out. But the evidence doesn't support that either. But the the idea that mifepristone isn't safe, uh, there really is no evidence from where I stand to support that. I think kind of connected to this discussion, we would love to believe, and I think a lot of people did believe for a long time, that the judicial system, it might be flawed, it you know, it's run by human beings, but for the most part, it was guided by law and precedent and and things like that. I think we have seen specifically with the Supreme Court, and as you talked about some of these lower courts, ideology really seems to carry the day. That being said, after the overturn of Roe, there's been tremendous blowback from the American public in the with regards to elections and all and people voting because of how unhappy they were. When the Supreme Court takes this up, how much do you think the blowback will be on the minds of this supermajority of conservative justices? Do you see that playing a role that they may be, you know, kind of the touching the hot stove and all of a sudden, ah, well, let's let's think about this? I don't know. You know, I think that there's a different set of questions and consequences that the court has to consider with this litigation. Um, it's not being asked about whether or not the Constitution ha- holds, you know, it captures a right to abortion. I think you're right. There has been a lot of backlash to Dobbs, which said the Constitution does not protect abortion. And then, uh, you know, in the wake of a third of the country banning almost all abortion. I think that's a different question than does the FDA have the authority to judge drug safety, you know, and can a group of physicians who are not abortion providers, never have provided abortion, are against abortion, are not ER doctors, uh, you know, most of them, are they the kind of group that has the right to sue the FDA and say, 
medication abortion should never have been on the market. You know, that has those two questions have a lot of consequences for standing who gets to go to federal court and challenge a law um, and for federal agency power. Can federal courts, should federal courts be second guessing federal agencies uh, when they make decisions? Uh, And so those are, I think, questions that people who don't think that there's a constitutional right to abortion might nonetheless answer in a way that doesn't track abortion politics. But that's one way to maybe think about um, what to expect. I mean, I think when the the reason the status quo exists is because the Supreme Court issued a stay um, that basically said we're going to preserve the status quo until we either deny cert or we figure out this case and issue our decision. So now they've taken cert, so we know they're going to issue a decision. And when they decided to make, you know, just preserve the status quo while this litigation unfolds, you know, Justice Alito disagreed. He would have had the Fifth Circuit opinion go into force. So that, I think, gives us some indication, at least, where one justice <laughs> might, where one the thinking of one justice might be. And kind of in a bigger picture past just the abortion question, and you talked about, like, you know, suing the FDA for basically they saying they don't have the right to, to do this. It seems like there is a multi-front attack on, like, the administrative state and could we see this this constant barrage of different cases that come that i think the average person maybe doesn't realize like what's at stake but it seems like a lot of them that that the fda shouldn't have this power the sec shouldn't have this power we shouldn't you know there's a this seems like kind of an organized movement to really put all this pressure to take as much power away from the federal government as possible am i overstating here or can you give us some context So so this case is alongside of other cases that the court has decided and will decide that chip away at um, the deference accorded to federal agencies. Um, You know, there has been a shift in how the court has thought about the ways in which courts should defer to the expertise of federal agencies. So I don't I don't think it's overstating to say that this is a this is a case that sits alongside the you know various decisions that have chipped away at the power of the administrative state and this will be heard in the spring and we should expect a decision uh specifically on the mifepristone case june-ish it sounds like is that timeline correct yeah i suspect there will be a decision june early july right in the middle of a 2024 presidential election season (laughs) That's right. <laughs> That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Make memories during Happy Honda Days. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.